Welcome to another episode of Pitch Black. I'm your host and creator, Matthew. And today we're going to mainly just be talking about the U.S. Cup Open moves. Um, my surprising take on it may be the same as yours or not. Stay tuned. Okay, so as I mentioned in the intro, uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, U.S. Open Cup. And I know... Um, it's not definitely not specific to black soccer and i have a lot of information a lot of things that i'm still working on getting some information uh from some listeners uh but i felt like this was too big to pass up to talk about uh primarily because it will affect u.s soccer as far as fans soccer in america i should say um at an intense level, or it has the opportunity uh, to do so in in a positive way, also in a negative way, if done incorrectly. Um, so enough beating around the bush. I'm going to talk about what's going on um, a couple of days ago, about four or five days ago, last week, essentially, uh, Commissioner for the MLS, uh, Dan Garber, essentially said he, the MLS uh, will not be participating in the U.S. Open Cup. The U.S. Open Cup is the longest uh, sports tournament um, in America uh, at about 107 to 108 years um, as far as how old it is. Um, and I would say it definitely doesn't have the same, well, I don't know if it ever really had this, you know, the, the pageantry, but it is something important in the soccer world, which I'm going to get to, um, actually, I'll get to right now. That's one of the first flaws, that it's a tournament for soccer fans. Um, as you know, Super Bowl is not a tournament. It's not a, uh, the playoffs in the Super Bowl is not a championship for football fans. It's a championship for sports fans. It's a championship for entertainment fans. Um, it just happens to be football. And I would say the same thing to a degree with basketball. Soccer, the U.S. Open Cup is a soccer fans championship. And so I'll come back to that um, um, a little bit later. But it's it's an old tournament. It's an old tournament. And I've grown to like it because uh, while we don't have promotion relegation here and, you know, there's I can make an argument that we probably won't ever have it, probably don't need it, um, probably can be done in different Different leagues, such as MLS, maybe not. US, USL, maybe so. Different arguments, different day. And we don't have that. But the only way, only time we really get a chance to see our lower level, our second and third or even fourth and fifth level uh, divisions play against our top division is the U.S. Open Cup. And once I started realizing that, I was like, you know, that's pretty good. You get to actually play up. You know, it's reminiscent of when... I've seen some of the uh, matches for the FA Cup. And obviously, most recently, obviously, I'm a um, Wrexham fan and learning the history that they've beaten. I think it was Arsenal in the past. Or you'll see these smaller, uh, you know, uh, not as well-funded teams, uh, you know, a break in their schedule where they're playing for this FA Cup. And they play these top big teams. Now, some may say, oh, those aren't always their starters. Sometimes it is. I really don't have enough time to go through every single FA Cup match, every FA Cup roster to see um, who's won, 
uh, against a starter team, starting team versus starting team. But it is an opportunity to play. So obviously the MLS started around 1996, uh, or 1996, and um, they pretty much have an automatic big. They don't have to play until I think it's the round of 16. So you have over 100 teams from multiple levels playing and, you know, the first and second round, third rounds, you know, quarterfinals, such and such, and on and on. Well, him mentioning this got me upset at first because I just saw MLS is not playing. I was like, what kind of crap is that? How do you not play in the U.S. Open Cup? You know, like that's you're a part of this. That's what you have to do until I read more into it. I read more of the article, which I implore you to do. Read more of the article and think. I, I would say I, I thought about it holistically outside of the echo chamber of just the MLS or MLS and U.S. Open. And they mentioned, well, their starting teams, their primary teams wouldn't be playing. It will be their secondary teams, MLS Next Pro. Uh, so it's kind of like their B squad. That's their minor league teams. Um and uh, obviously for MLS, that doesn't apply to uh, Montreal, Toronto FC, Vancouver. Uh, they don't play in the U.S. Open. They're Canadian teams, so they play in the Canadian Championship. Uh, so it's only applicable to actual American, uh, United States of, of America teams. And, but I read it and I started realizing, huh, you know what? I don't know Garber's motives Maybe he is greedy. Maybe he 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 looks down upon all levels of soccer underneath him. That's his prerogative, and that, like I said, that's an argument for another time as well. But I thought I looked at it. Oh, so MLS Next Pro would be in instead. Well, I started smiling a little bit afterward because I realized this is actually. If you're a, a USL, USL1, USL2, NISA, NPSL, USFL, whatever level below MLS fan, this may be a blessing in disguise. And I'll tell you why, in my opinion. So mention that uh, MLS started in the um, US Open Cup uh, in 1996. Obviously, not just automatic bids, but high automatic bids. You wouldn't see them until... Uh, I'm saying I said the round of 16. I'm sorry. Uh, around the quarterfinals, if not before, somewhere around there. But they all qualified, is what I'm saying. Uh, whereas teams like where I'm from, New Orleans Jesters, they have to win their division. They have to, I think some have to win their league in general just to get a slot because they're limited slots. Well, there hasn't been a team to win in, um, a U.S. Open Cup that wasn't MLS. There hasn't been a team since 1999, the Rochester Rhinos. And so that's, what, 24 years ago? 24 years. Majority of the teams playing now, probably the players weren't even born. And I'm talking about MLS on down. The players weren't even born the last time an MLS team didn't win. Obviously, we had the, the, the exciting moments or the exciting moment of Sacramento Republic, arguably USL's best team, probably the most well-equipped team, and they still lost to Orlando uh, a few years ago, and it just started making me think, 
Well, the way that the MLS is going now, as far as how the networks for the team, the funding, the buy-ins of, I think, about $300, $400, $500 million just to start get a team into it, not including everything else that goes into a team, USL teams and below will never, never win. And not just never win, I, I would say at the current rate, USL teams and below would never get back to a final if MLS played their start. And yes, MLS is not the top team, top league in the world, but we're, de- uh, sorry, MLS is definitely above and beyond USL and below. And the gap is getting wider. It's fun to see the underdog, but after a while, you can just see them kicking the dog while they're down. Um, it made me think about NCAA tournament. People love, you know, and I, I think it's a great tournament. You have your underdogs, your upsets. The problem is there hasn't been a, t- a seed lower than eighth that won the NCAA title. No one lower than eight. So you'll see seeds from one to 32 in four different brackets. Essentially, statistically, if you're nine and below, you're not winning. You may upset a team. That's beautiful. But if the total goal is to win the championship, all you're doing is creating side entertainment. If that's your if that's your thing, side entertainment. Great. I'm sure you'll get money. But at least with the NCAA tournament, there's a little bit more level playing field as far as talent, not always finances, but there's a bit more of a playing field, level playing field. MLS, it's not. MLS is getting bigger. They're not even spending the type of money that most of us want them to spend. And they're still stretching further and further away. So I think this is actually, like I say, a blessing because... You now have those automatic bids. One may think, oh, they're just going to go to MLS Next Pro. Not so. MLS Next Pro is considered third division. So that means the highest division soccer that will be in this would be USL Championship. Followed by USL League One. I think maybe Nisa, I have to check because it's different places have different pyramids and who knows. But number one would be USL. Now, um, the question is, what comes with that? What comes with the U.S. Open now that the MLS has said, no, we're not going to have our starting team? Do you? Does the U.S. Open still, will it still command a spot uh, automatic bid to the CONCACAF Champions League. Because if so, great. Great. Because one, I don't think the MLS Next Pro teams will be allowed. Say if, you know, Columbus Crew 2 won the U.S. Open. I highly doubt that they're going to be allowed to play in the CONCACAF Champions League because it's the same way now with, with certain things are when they had some of the uh, MLS Next Pro teams or the teams that the MLS owned in the USL, they couldn't play against each other. Like Orlando City 2 or whatever it's called, they can't play against each other. Or they're not allowed to play in that. So you're in the uh, 
CONCACAF Champions League, you're going to obviously have an MLS champion. And I think only if it were maybe a Canadian team, but you're still going to have, I think, the supporter shields. More often than not, your automatic qualifiers for the Champions League, uh, CONCACAF Champions League, is going to be from the United States, from uh, mainland United, uh, sorry, United States, and uh, MLS Next Pro team that may have won the U.S. Open can't go. So that opens the space for, like I said, like I said, uh, USL Championship, one, two, all the other leagues. And that's about 30, I don't know exactly, about 30, 32 teams, 33. Who knows, MLS is adding more teams or not. But that opens that many spots. But then you can say, okay, well, the MLS next pro teams will be in there. Not necessarily. They may have to fight for their spots. MLS next pro teams are not necessarily high-performing teams. That's one of the reasons why they're considered third tier. And I know, you know, I'm just going to go off the opta stats, opta rankings. But all those teams are ranked below USL champion teams. And a good amount ranked lower than USL one teams. It's academies and, you know, uh, uh, semi-pro teams that are supposed to lead those players, kind of like a a farming unit, uh, like I said, a minor lead, to lead them up to the MLS, but it does not necessarily mean that they are MLS quality. They don't have everything all the same time, all the same talent, not even the same coaching. So that's a lot of bids, a lot of slots that will go to lower level teams and probably even more so uh, USL champion teams. Now, why do I keep saying that? I keep saying USL champion. You get because earlier this year, I just kind of thought USL champion was championships was really gonna you know implode. Like they just could not keep up. They could not keep up. Um, you know, financially, uh, I think they're moving from ESPN to a, I think CBS. Or they're moving, you know, um, to whomever. But they obviously don't have the broadcasting money. They can't compete with an Apple TV, you know, $1 billion uh, 10-year contract. They, they're not even close to that. But what way can they establish recognition on a national stage? Because assuming that the U.S. Open is still going to be broadcast, it's still going to be on uh, Bleacher Report, which is CBS, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they're still going to be broadcast on YouTube, if they can have that following, they can have that national recognition. Yes, you're not going to have the Messies, which you won't have after next year and a half or so anyway. Most of the MLS superstars are not known. So this is a time, uh, and I was mentioning this early, an opportunity, opportunity for USL and all the other lower leagues, including New Orleans Jesters, including whatever team, local team, whatever uh, uh, NISA or uh, NPSL team or whatever uh, league that your local team is in. This is a time for them to not only realize their guys have a much better shot at going further. This is a time to really start promoting who you are. Because when you go from, hey, we're playing to be the best team in the Gulf region to, hey, fans, we can be on national TV. 
we're, we can be on YouTube live or whatever. We have a chance to play on a big stage. We have a chance to be in a CONCACAF Champions League. We have a chance to be in the Club World Cup. Because now that one little thing of the MLS taking away their top team gives us a little bit more room. What's the other bonus? The winner gets $300,000, which I can tell you, I can tell you is a huge boost for a lot of these local teams. It's a huge boost for a USL championship team and their budget is in the millions. That $300,000 can make a total difference, not even including potential boost in attendance because you can get more people coming out. And keep in mind, the attendance, uh, at least for a good third of USL Championship, wasn't bad during the U.S. Open. You had a, uh, at least, I think it's about seven teams and above as far as the top half of the teams, the top 40, uh, 46, 47 teams, uh, the top half had seven of those that were USL Championship teams as far as attendance. Keep in mind, these are, uh, are clubs that don't have large stadiums. You had Birmingham averaging 8,610 over, I think, about three or four matches. You had an MLS team, Colorado Rapid, in their one match. They only had 1,240 people attending. But I've already had that uh, podcast about how Colorado Rapids really doesn't care. So I'm not surprised about that. So you can boost these teams' uh, attendance um, at least for these matches, probably throughout the rest of the season, because now their season means even more. That Their seasons always meant something, but it means more because there's less of a blockage. There's less of a behemoth that's worth $700 million that can pull in a Lionel Messi off the, uh, off the wall. You don't have to worry about that, at least not until potentially CONCACAF Champions League. That that's where your underdog story can continue. It, it's good to have an underdog story when there's actually a chance to win. When there's actually a pathway. USL to me, uh, sorry, US Open to me were handicapped by that because we knew what was going to happen once you once you had the USL. Uh, you know, championship, uh, League One and League Two, teams like Northern Colorado, uh, you know, not go further than the, the quarterfinals. Eh. It, it wasn't it wasn't as exciting because you lost the team that was there. Now, they got beat fine. But like I said, opening this up to where the top, you know, the top league is USL championship opens everything up maybe a, a next pro team will get up there fine but maybe not it's not as guaranteed for mls to be the champion so i i like it i like it like i said there's the money for it there's the automatic bids hopefully uh the attendance goes up um you know and now as far as the whole dan garber thing why do you do it i don't like it but at the same time, it's not my business to like it. <laughs> it's his business of 
he has realized, and I'm sure a lot of the other owners have realized, they don't need it. There's so many automatic bids, whether it's Supporter Shield, MLS Champion, Runner Up, uh, Eastern Conference Champion, if you're not, there's so many automatic bids to different Club Cup Championships or whatever you want to call them. They don't need it. And he mentioned, hey, you know, we had a team like LAFC pay, play 53 games. I don't, I, I played high school and college football, 10, 12, 13 games at the most is, you know, what I can't obviously fathom playing 15 something games. And I know it's different because it's not the, the physical pounding, but it is a lot of, uh, you know, running. It's a lot of endurance and it can still put a wear on your body because uh, the more games of anything, you know, can still wear you down. But the quality that he's looking for, that the owners are probably looking for, and probably, let's be honest, to the point where many players are probably asking, hey, why are we playing so many games? What do we get out of this? What do we get out of having it, especially with the League's Cup being a success, you have another tournament that obviously excludes, you know, low, uh, uh, you know uh, USL and below leagues, because they're fighting against Liga MX, fine. That's their niche. They have reached that point that they don't need the U.S. Open. I'm sure they looked at multiple uh, tournaments that they have. And they just, or maybe it's just those two, and just realize we make more money. We make more, uh, uh, you know, sorry, revenue. And we get more viewership from playing Liga MX than we do for the U.S. Open Cup when... That doesn't benefit us. Now, sure that I'm sure there's the purists. I have nothing against you. Hey, in order to be uh, U.S. sanctioned by U.S. soccer, you have to play in the Open Cup. Well, I'll just tell you this. They're bigger than that. They're bigger than the U.S. soccer. MLS is bigger than U.S. soccer. They have succeeded. They have gone from relying on U.S. soccer to becoming bigger. U.S. Soccer Association created a monster, and I'm not even mad at that. Why? Because good things can still come out of separating from the originator. The Olympics was the only the, the Olympics was the top place to play soccer, if you, as far as champion. If you were the Olympic soccer champion, you were the you were just the team. You were the nation. That was you. Until FIFA wanted to do something else. I'm sorry, more so FIFA grew out of that. And they separated. Olympics did not really necessarily care for that. Like, oh, you know, whatever. We're still going to have, we're the Olympics. We're going to have soccer. And I'm sure they thought FIFA, this FIFA thing, this FIFA World Cup was not going to thrive. And now the World Cup is the most watched soccer, uh, sorry, watched sporting event in the world without even really injecting into the United States yet. So MLS, people want MLS to grow. People want MLS to be uh, a stronger uh, uh, league, a more popular league. Well, I think this is a, this is a way. It's not pretty. Growth is not pretty all the time. They're going to do some ugly things. And in order for them to succeed, to make that revenue, to get quality players to pay for those quality players to have quality stadiums minus Colorado Rapids because they are terrible. I'm going to keep saying it because I cannot stand them, <laughs> but 
they found the niche and they know U.S. soccer needs MLS more than MLS needs U.S. soccer. Now, if I were U.S. soccer, especially if I and or if I were USL, I would take this opportunity and say, this is our time to grow. This is our time. We're only going to be able to send one team into this. This is the new level. We're go- the U.S. Open has just turned into this is the ticket to get to the champion to uh, Champions League um, uh, tournament and show what we have. This is our chance to grow soccer nation outside of the major cities, outside of the MLS uh, 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 metropolitan areas. Now Knoxville can get more views. New Orleans, New Mexico, Northern Colorado. Sorry with all the end names. But you can have these smaller teams actually get visibility. You can get communities and businesses investing into those smaller teams because now they have a bigger platform. Hopefully CBS slash Bleacher Report or whomever owns them uh, takes this opportunity and says this. We can turn this into how we build soccer before, during and after the World Cup comes. Because the World Cup that's coming to the United States, uh, you know, Mexico, Canada, that's nice. I love it. I love the idea. I think it's great. Nothing against it, except that. It's a it's it's a one time event. And I say one time as in it's not even for the full year. It's for a few months. What do you do before? What do you do afterwards? In those six months to a year after the World Cup is in the United States and all the pageantry is left, what do we do as far as, hey, we have more soccer fans because hopefully this is an incredible, you know, tournament, uh, World Cup and the United States went far in it or whatever. It was just the most incredible. Maybe Cristiano Ronaldo won a World Cup at age 40, 41. Maybe that's just my wish. But it's incredible in whatever type of way. What happens now? Do we just rest on our lowers and say, hey, okay, MLS was not, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. MLS is going to make that push. And I appreciate them wanting to go for it. But you're still going to have hundreds of other clubs. And I'm not talking about your amateur league because, hey, amateur league is just that amateur league. They're going to come and go. But you have your small clubs that while they won't become behemoths they'll still thrive how is that true i'm glad you asked wrexham fifth tier fourth tier or uh sorry english champion uh league two whatever they are right now still has a chance to go to the fa uh um cup uh finals they still exist i understand They don't have all the other sports distracting, but in the vacuum of they can still exist, even though you would think, hey, how come everyone isn't just a Chelsea, Liverpool? Because these towns will still promote their their squad. Oh, well, man, what if it's not just the, you know, um, what if it's not just the U.S. Open Cup? You know, the U.S. Open Cup is only this time, you know, it's very limited viewing. Okay. 
Girona, uh, Girona. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing that correctly. Number one team uh, at the top of the table, La Liga. This is La Liga with Jude Bellingham at Real Madrid, with Lewandowski at Barcelona, with and uh, Griezmann at Atletico Madrid, and many other teams. Guess what Girona's um, population is? I think it's about 100 to 150 thousand people, and they're at the top. Not, and they just beat Barcelona about a week or so ago. So why does it matter? Because there is it, the size of your town does not is not the only factor I should say because it matters, but it's not the only factor. It's what are you investing? Are you investing into these clubs? Fans, you want the MLS to be there in the US Open Cup? That's that's nice. I want my local team to rise. It's not my local team rising is not going to cause MLS to fall. My local teams being the only ones in the US Open Cup playing against multiple teams of multiple levels around the country is not going to hurt MLS. They're not worried about it. They, they don't lose. If anything, they're saving money on it. It's not going to hurt them. So MLS will exist. And until we get out of this mindset that, oh, MLS has to be involved in everything. No. They've achieved what they, they, they're achieving their success. Now they're just trying to achieve more. And if you really, really want to stick it to the MLS, root for your local team to roll through the U.S. Open. And the best team of that U.S. Open, I hope they give MLS teams, the Liga MX teams, or whomever's in the CONCACAF Championship uh, League tournament, hell. Because I think it would be beautiful, beautiful if a Charleston battery or a, a, a Charlotte Independence or a Detroit City was represented in the CONCACAF Champions League or went far enough into, uh, you know, and you may say wishful thinking, the FIFA World Club, uh, Cup, Club Cup. That would be incredible. Those are the aspirations. I'm no longer looking to just have my team as the US, U.S. Open Cup champion. That's a step. That's a great step. It's a good first step. Let's get further. What bigger thing are we playing for? So it might deserve a slap in the face or a pat on the back for Dan Garber. I don't know. And like I said, his calculations, the risk reward is probably going to be a reward for MLS. As little as he probably thinks about every, every other club team. Fine. This is the opportunity. Take this chance. Support your club. If you work for your club, your local club, improve it. Start thinking on the level of a pro team. How can you get your players' names out there, get your team name out there, get more people into those stands? Get your team better. And become that squad that is the first, or at least on par, that your fans, that the kids want to buy a jersey of. If I'm Monterey Bay, hopefully... My fans are buying my jerseys first and then thinking about whatever other team, San Jose or uh, whatever other team is in the area, the LA Galaxy jersey later. Because 
they want us to be that dominant team. And this is the opportunity. Um, so that being said, I, I'm actually a little bit shorter. So I'm going to talk about something else. And I know I've just given a lot of credit to uh, the potential things that USL uh, should do. Um, but this is a something that's been on my mind, I guess, on and off. And it was positive but negative for the past year. Uh, so I mentioned uh, a long time ago about the USL NOLA team that made the, uh, you know, hubbub that they're going to, you know, USL is going to start a team. I entered in uh, a logo design. Um, I had uh, from all the replies on different social media sites, uh, even the USL NOLA's um, official site, uh, you know, uh, my design was considered the favorite. So I'm just sitting there like, oh, this is great, you know. That's I'm up for anything that's the best design, but you know it's happy to know that mine is the favorite design amongst the masses. And you would think, you know, after I'm like, okay, maybe they're gonna announce who won. You know, it wasn't a prize or anything. It was just like, hey, this would be great. You know, this let's get this started. People were invested. I would say it's probably more so um, soccer fans, but there were a handful of just sports fans like hey we need some you know we have the saints we have the pelicans you know we want something else we don't have a minor league uh, baseball team anymore or anything else uh so nothing during the summer this would be great well a week passed a month passed a season or two passed and i started realizing that not only was there not going to be any uh notification of who whose design was selected the social media content content became very vague. Um, you know, at first it was asking like, what, you know, New Orleanians, what do you call this? You know, as far as like a pitch or a field or whatever, uh, you know, what are some names for like the support group? All of that. Great. But then it got into just kind of random soccer things like, oh, the World Cup is like, OK, I understand they want to have a connection with that. Oh, this player from the New Orleans area is going to this college. Okay, great. But nothing about themselves. Now, without too much information um, uh, given out, it was partially that they had no idea for owner. No clue. This was not something that was in the works. It was just a, uh, a promotional stunt, in my point of view. You took a city that has a lot of culture, you know, has a sports fan base, even with the what would be con a, considered a very small or limited market. Uh, we obviously demand um, uh, viewership. We, I mean, for Saints games alone, there are people that drive from the panhandle of Florida to come to a Saint, New Orleans Saints game. People will drive four or five hours to come to a Saints game. So... We have that, and I guess I felt you know yes, there's a there's a definitely space for another sport, especially soccer, um, you know that can fit in, but nothing. And what gets me is not so much that the prospect of having a team is is bleak, and I would pretty much say it's I would say that it's pretty much non-existent now, but it's more so the lack of transparency the lack of transparency you know 
and I, I know what's going to happen in the next couple couple of months. You're going to have the, a lot of the followers just kind of unfollow. They're going to just go quiet or disappear and or have random things, but they have no plan. This is no shade to the USL in general, but the guys that did this, shame on you. And I say shame on you because not because you couldn't find the owners, because you created this attention for nothing. You created this attention and didn't even keep track with it. You just said, oh, well, you know what? Let's put out random stuff. It, it, you just, it's foolish. Oh, you started up the San Diego Loyal. Yeah, they're they're disappearing now. You helped with this squad. Yeah, they just disappeared. You moved on to Jacksonville to start up a team as if we weren't going to pay attention. And I know this is a bit ranting, but I... This is a part of the stupid things that soccer leagues do and wonder why soccer's not growing. Be honest. Have an actual plan. I'm not a, a, a soccer operations person. Maybe I should be. But I'm not going to sit there and promise a, a city of uh, four to 500,000 people a metro area of 1.2 million people and a larger metro area because obviously, like I said, we could demand fans from Biloxi and further of essentially 2.5 to 3 million people. I'm not going to sit there and promise them, show them plans for a stadium. Have this video set up. Just a con artist. Without having actual ownership interest it's lazy you you sit here in our french quarter drinking drinks eating the food enjoying on the dime of the usl whatever you get the interest you get more followers on your social media than the local uh, soccer clubs which is great than nothing you actually have the local soccer club support you openly as you are their future competitors and you go silent. You hold one, I think, video or phone conference, then go silent. You have, for all due respects, a kid operating your social media and you go silent. I don't even care about the design anymore. I've I've patented and trademarked the design just in case. <laughs> but it, I don't care which design is used. It could be the ugliest thing used. What's even uglier is getting the hopes of this city high. Oh, it's just innocent. No, it's not innocent because we, unfortunately, we do not have the best politicians. I'm sure most cities can say that. But we have politicians that will spend this money, spend that time, taxpayer dollar, talking about this. And if it's not going to come to fruition, you've wasted our time and our money. You've taken focus away from the actual teams that are here. By all means, I think, like I said, local teams need to do a lot better to attract attention, attract uh, uh, fans that aren't just soccer fans, attract fans that are sports fans, attract fans that want something to do. 
but you came in here like a behemoth saying, we're going to have this stadium, we're going to have this, and you had nothing. You didn't even have an owner. You had no, no actual timeline. Oh, we're going to be we're going to start up in 2025. You've done nothing. You don't even have a team name. I don't know all the people that put out reviews that had ideas. I've seen them. There's some that I'm like, oh, those are great ideas as well. Like Some are, you know, I think are terrible. Fine. The discussion is there. But instead of in being involved in a discussion, instead of actually going through with anything, you let people debate and argue and then sit for a year and you just sat silent. USL NOLA specifically, not that USL championship in general, unless this was their plan too. But USL NOLA, the, the directors for that or whoever, whatever you want to call yourself, you should be ashamed of yourself. And in my personal opinion, go somewhere else. Go somewhere else. I'd rather if there's some other venture capitalists or whatever you want to call from USL to come in. Great. I would also rather support my local team. I'd rather start up my own community, city-owned team with a fan base on it than ever have someone like you come to New Orleans and do that again. Don't screw up soccer for America. If you're going to do something, like I said, the whole Dan Garber thing, do it calculated to where you're going to win and other people can still win, even if we don't like it. What you've done, USL NOLA, you've done jack squat. You've wasted time and you have not made soccer better or more uh, attractive in any aspect for this city. So, yes, that's my little Monday rant. I wasn't just trying to fill time, but that, that was just a little thing on my mind. If you see a league like this say they're coming in, they need to have a plan. Because if they're using your taxpayer dollars to build something, they better, better have a plan. They better be listening. Because this isn't a, just a meal ticket and commission because you started a team. Then you roll on to mid-Iowa, Minnesota, or Boise FC. You create something here, you make sure that it becomes sustainable. Then you move on. Otherwise, don't come back, USL NOLA. Um, with that little bit of uh, frustration, that's all I have for today. And like I said, um, still taking getting some information, primarily from uh, Mr. Rico. He's been sending me a lot of stuff as far as uh, black soccer, most recently uh, Atlanta. Uh, I am still working on, I, I hate to say book, uh, but it will probably turn into a book. Um, uh, going over different uh, black soccer players, uh, whether it's for the national team or just in general from uh, different countries. And what I thought was going to be a very quick and, and light uh, informational um, uh, uh, mission, I realized black soccer players have been around all over. I, I I just try to joke around and type black soccer player from Poland and it came up. I did the same thing for France, Spain, Portugal, England, Ireland, Italy, Croatia. Yeah, black Afro, Afro-European players have been around. And while I know I won't be able to get 100% of them, I'm going to try to get more 
Uh, I'll try to drop some more um, and talk about them in each podcast. Uh, but ultimately, I want to put a, a picture book uh, together. It's not going to be their whole life story because um, I'm sure each one of them can have a book of themselves on their own. But uh, just going to be, you know, simple stats with it from nationality, you know, ethnic origin um, and, you know, not to be confusing, but just kind of, you know, for example, this Evio, uh he's Portuguese uh, citizen, but he's originally born in Mozambique. Uh, just to kind of give a, you know, route where they're of this citizenship, they have a lot of the same political ideas and, you know, cultural ideas, but, you know, it's not out of the norm for someone to have the cultural aspects from their uh, birthplace, such as Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's, he's America through and through. He's also uh, Greek. Uh, he's also, I think, Cameroonian. Um, hopefully I have the right, if I don't charge it to my lack of research, but it's just mainly to pay homage that black players are all around. I even found a black player from China. Trust me, I will talk about it. But that's the thing I'm working on right now, along with uh, a lot more local uh, black American uh, information, just because I want to make sure that everyone realize being black in America does not mean you can't be a soccer fan. You can be a fan of whatever sport you want to. Uh, Don't let people of the same race, don't let people of different races say that you cannot be a part of it. Um, so with that being said, I'll keep getting that info and thank you as always for listening. Please like, share, uh, talk about it, debate, fuss at me, maybe not curse me out, but whatever way you communicate, I'm sure, you know, there's going to be disagreements, but I like hearing it. You may change my mind. You may not change my mind. Maybe I've changed yours. Uh, but I'm just happy to get that information out there, um, and have that opinion on it. Uh, So the best of luck to MLS, the best of luck to all other leagues, uh, USL, Championship and Down, and best of luck to you as a fan, to learning more, being a part of your local uh, club, and as always, looking forward to kicking with you. Goodbye.